The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. is a tough cover, and he loves to body it. Great movement and mobility. A nice job that time getting position on Taylor Richards. 69-yard drive, and Fedorowicz thought to be a guy that's really got something. It's his fourth career touchdown, his first of this season. It's Iowa. they got to involve the tight end at some point, right? And we got a ball game. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's home loss to Purdue, and he previews the upcoming game against Michigan. We also have our weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Marv Cook and Brent Balbinat, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of our reporters' notebook shows. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Josh Lewin and Chris Martin, who did a good job. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's loss to Purdue, and he previews the Michigan game. Marv, a 2012 season, kind of going from bad to worse, gets like the movie Groundhog Day. Same problems, different week. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a actually a good way to look at it. I mean, it's um, it's the, the seems the word is execution. We're not executing. We're not uh, you know finishing plays, and and that's I think. Uh, a big part of why you lose football games and, and why we're struggling so much right now. And so it does feel a little bit like that. Iowa's now got its longest losing streak at four since 2007. The thing that's probably most disturbing if you're a fan, Iowa's making mediocre teams look good. Yeah, and, and, and our strength against their weaknesses are turning out to not be our strength. And, and uh, you know, we haven't been able to run the ball as effective as I thought we would have been able to run the last three weeks against teams that are ranked in the in the bottom of, you know, the Big Ten in those categories. I mean, you know, Wisconsin lined up and rushed it 62 times against Indiana for, you know, an astronomical amount of yards. Uh, and, you know, we struggled against running the football against them. And it, it's just, I mean, that's what we are designed to do. We are designed to run the football. And if we can't run the football and we have to go to the pass, that's when we struggle. And that's where we're at right now. So we need to either take a different approach, you know, and, and throw the football to set up the run or figure out a way to run the football more effectively so we can throw the play action pass off of it. I was struck 
back listening to the post-game comments and uh, and Ference's post-game press conference about your key to the game in last week's show. You said, I'm going to take you somewhere different this week. What I want to see is a team come out fired up and ready to go and really aggressive right off the bat. And instead, they came out and really laid an egg the first half. And Ference said later that uh, they were outcoached. His team wasn't ready. How do you explain that at this point? A lot of times, if you look, if you look like you're getting beat to the punch, if you look like you're getting a little slower, sluggish, or you're you're not executing on offense or defense, a lot of times it because it's because of the other team, and it's because they're putting their players in positions to be successful. And say they they, they you know tendencies or statistics are can you can look at them two different ways. But it, but if if you have tendencies and if you got strong tendencies, and I'm not saying Iowa does, I've never breaking it down and looked at it exactly what their first and ten play selection is and all that. But if you have strong strong tendencies, great coaches and staffs are going to figure out okay on on second and short or second and nine here's what they run and if it's if it's 80 percent of the time they're going to dial up a defense that's going to hit that in the head and that's tough to run against i mean if they're dialing up a defense that says we're going to stop zone and and we're going to play that it makes you look bad and i'm not i'm not sure that's going on i think there may be a little bit of that it seems to me that other other teams are putting their players in positions to make plays and be successful against our defense and also against our offense i mean we're seeing d linemen penetrate we're seeing you know pressure uh caused and I, and I think a lot of that could be just as a credit to the staffs that we're playing against. Or in Purdue's case, a not very good staff that looks like it's on its way out the door. But let's focus on the offense. There's lots to focus on today. And Ferentz actually said we have to be focused on solutions, not the problems. We have to be aware of the problems. We'll come back to the solutions question at the end of this conversation. But the offense, again, was outgained significantly 490 to 264 yards total offense. That is the third lowest total offense this year for Iowa. The last four games, Iowa's been outgained an average of 187 yards total offense per game, and their opponents are averaging 10 more offensive plays per game. You talked about that last week, too. So, you know, you're not going to win many games when you're having those kind of statistics and those kinds of results. Uh, yeah, and especially if you're not dynamic on special teams. Fortunately for us, we scored on defense this Saturday, and that wasn't enough to help us get over the top either, unfortunately. So we're not a big strike. We talk about this a lot. We're not a big strike offense. We're not a, you know, one play, 65-yard touchdown. I mean, type of offense. We're a, you know, 12-play, 14-play, you know, nine-play drive, convert, field goal, or points, touchdown. If you're not going to eat up yards, if you're not going to gain positive yards on these series, then, you know, you're you're basically, you know, you're basically fighting a fight with one arm tied behind your back. And, and that's where we're at right now is we're just, we're, I think we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage with our, with, with, you know, just the fact that we're not able to run the football effectively. And, you know, to me, you know, I, I've always heard, you know, when you talk about, I heard this quote about Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops will take his guys and beat your guys. He'll take your guys and beat his guys if you give him a week. You know, and you, and you got to be willing to to try to put your guys in a position to be successful. I know a lot of guys that can get on a chalkboard and they can draw up beautiful plays that work against certain defenses. But if, if that O can't block that X, the play's not going to work. And, and right now, I think we're trying to, you know, be a square peg team. And I'm not sure we got square peg guys. You know, we don't, we don't have 315 pound Robert Galleries and, you know, Riley Rifes and Brian Balagas and, and guys that are huge and can get on guys and, and run zone, you know, we got 270, 280 pound guys and maybe we need to be looking at misdirection, some counters, some, some you know, rumbles, some some traps that take advantage of maybe being a little bit more athletic with our, our undersized linemen and, and instead of trying to be a big power running team uh, that we're not maybe built to be right now. You can point to the loss of those two offensive linemen to injury, except one of the replacements was a starter at the beginning of the year until he got nicked up. To me, at least, one of the most perplexing issues here the last two weeks 
Iowa's played the 11th and 12th worst defenses, rushing defenses, yes. in the Big Ten. And couldn't rush for over 100 yards in either one of those games. But even more head-scratching last Saturday, the Hawkeyes only had 18 yards rushing in the first half and eight more in the third quarter, ended with 74 total. 20 of those came on Vandenberg's one scramble in the fourth quarter. Have you ever seen an Iowa rushing game struggle quite this much? No. And it's uh, for me, it's that's where I think the biggest disconnect is right now because that's who we are. I mean, that, that is our identity. That's what we've always wanted to be. To not be able to do that, I mean, it just, it, it, it's, we're putting ourselves at a huge disadvantage in these games. And, and uh, until we figure that out, we're going to struggle. We have to run the ball. I, I think, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I mean, a lot of our successful passing stuff is based off of play action. You know, when we're at our best is we're, we're faking the zone or we're rolling out and we're hitting a deep comeback because the, the underneath coverage is, is up in the run game and, the, you know, and it enables you to throw the 15-yard comeback on the outside, you know, unfettered with, with no underneath coverage and if you're not able to effectively create that play action now that five second pass which is what play action takes a lot of times well these backers are out they're out 15 18 20 yards underneath the curls the digs and and they've got you know everything locked down so they're able to recover and get underneath that stuff so you know it's you know we need to we need to like i said decide if we're going to be a running team and if we are then let's start running the football more effectively and if we're not then let's you know let's try to pass the ball to run the ball go to the pit game last year when when vandenberg just sat back there and shotgun and and was chucking the ball quick and getting it out you can still run inside zone you can still run stretch from the from gun uh, the Patriots do it very very effectively and uh, you know but also it gives Vandenberg the ability to get back in the pocket get the ball in his hands be able to read the defense get the ball out quicker I know one feeds off the other and, and again we've talked about this off and on all season but when the opposing team is loading eight nine sometimes ten guys in the box because they completely disrespect your passing game I mean that's got to be a significant impact on the inability to run the ball successfully well and there's we, we we always have this discussion as a staff. Okay, so if you you know if they want to put seven in the box, well let's bring a tight end in. Well now they're going to bring eight in. If you, if you let's bring another back in. Well now they're going to bring. I mean the more guys you bring in, the more guys they're bringing in. Okay, so you're still basically one on one on the outside or whatever. So you know the other philosophy is well let's let's get four guys out of here. You know let's get one back, no tight end. Now if they got six, well we're five on six. The quarterback can do a read and we can we can basically block the six guy with the quarterback. But if they want to put more in that, then now they're man to man on the outside. Well one guy slips it's a touchdown you know I mean so you there's ways that you can attack a defense effectively and still run the ball effectively even though you don't have a tight end or a fullback in the game I want to talk a little bit about the safeties the play of the safeties against Iowa's offense and the sort of rule of thumb if you will that an offense should employ when there's zero up top versus one up top versus two up top when there's zero up top that is an absolute passing situation and yet Every time, almost nearly literally every time, Iowa's face zero up top. They call plays running into it. Can you just talk about why that, What if I laid that out correctly, why that's accurate and, and why in the world they would be doing the exact opposite of what you should do attack that? No, that's exactly right. If there's two high safeties, if there's two high safeties and they get two over the top, that means you've got an advantage up front numbers-wise because if you got two receivers, they got to have receivers covered and then they got two safeties so they can only have so many guys in the box. One, one high safety, it's more of a wash you can go either way it's 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 equal at that point but you got zero you got no safeties over the top I mean it's man-to-man so they got you know they've got more guys now than you can block and the quarterback's the guy that's got to make the read but but ultimately you have the huge advantage if it's zero and and you should be throwing the football so why would Vandenberg be if he's changing the play at the line he seems to be changing almost every play at the line now why would you be changing into running plays when there's zero up top well that's I mean I had had this conversation with the radio station today that I, I don't 
don't, a lot of times the, the check with me system is depending on the coaching staff. When we were at Iowa, when I played with Bill Snyder, the quarterbacks had, if they saw certain fronts and coverages, they had certain plays they were going to. And they, we could get to it. We could get to every play in our playbook with our check with me system. I and mean, we could, you know, get to our deep stuff. We can get to our screens. We can get to our runs. We can get to every single thing we wanted to get to. And the quarterbacks had the ability to get to that those plays. If, if we saw cover three, we wanted to run three verticals against to the weak side, we could do that. Some teams in their, in their check with me system, it's literally check with me zone and it's right or left so you either check and right or left based on where the nose is or, or where the three technique is and so you know that that could be what's going on some teams actually have a pass run check you know where because of the, if it's too high safeties they'll check they'll check the uh the run if it's you know no high they'll check the pass i'm not sure where we're at or what we do i don't know the inner workings of that but it seems to me what we have is a is a run run check a lot of times where we're just going to check the run where we want to run it uh and it's based off of like i said a nose guard or a three technique and that's going to tell you where to go so but but if they got more guys in there than you can block it's not going to work no matter where you're running i mean that's the end the end game is if they got more guys than you can block then it's not going to be an effective running play and so the more an opposing defense goes zero up top is that just pretty much completely disrespecting your passing game it's if, if they consistently do it it is 100 percent. i mean change ups you know it's like we get back to tendencies if you show tendencies all the time that you're going to go to zero on third and long or whatever and you're bringing pressure then that's something that the offense can take advantage of but yeah I mean, ultimately, that is a sign of, of not respecting your passing game. Speaking of passing, Vandenberg had his fifth touchdown pass of the year. First touchdown catch by Fedorowicz all season. Ten games through, you know, I haven't gone back and looked at the records, but I can't imagine any Iowa team under Hayden Fry or Kirk Ferentz has uh, had their starting tight end catch their first touchdown pass in the tenth game of the year. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, we've talked about that. And work in progress. He's, he's making strides, but they're small strides, and they need to come quicker as talented as he is. Let's focus a bit on Iowa's last offensive play because that's another one that's been controversial, inexplicable to some people. Iowa had fourth and three, uh, deep on the Purdue side. They had to convert that. to con- It was too far out for a field goal. I agree with Ference's answer on that, with that wind coming right in their face. So Vandenberg completes a one-yard pass on fourth and three to Zach Derby. And incidentally, Fedorowicz was wide open over the middle. He didn't uh, appear to even be looked at. But Derby said after the game that he was instructed to only run a one-yard route. Does that make any sense? Why would that be happening? Yeah, the, the only thing I can think of is that, you know, a lot of times you may be, you may have a, a, a route behind it, you know, a curl behind it. It's at seven yards or, or whatever, and you want to you want to put enough distance between the curl uh, and the and the, the shallow route to, to put the, the backer in a bind, to put the coverage guy in a bind. The only other thing, too, is, is that if you catch it quick and then you're able to get your pads turned, then you can break a tackle for two yards. The problem with that is, is exactly what happens. You catch it at one. If you don't, if you can't get your pads turned and get ready to take on the hit, you, it's going to be a one-yard completion, and that's exactly what happens. Versus if you go three yards, you catch it, you get hit. Forward progress takes you past the chains. It's first down. So you know, I think you know, obviously hindsight is against 2020, but you know, you got to get to the chain. You got, and then the second level needs to adjust based on the underneath guy because what you you, you just can't have that happen. You don't give yourself a chance to to get the first down if you're catching about one yard and getting tackled. And moreover, it sounded like after the game that that was that's who Vandenberg was going to come hell or high water on that play he wasn't even looking at 
at others. I just don't understand the philosophy of uh, a one-yard yeah. route and a well, and three case, and a fourth. That doesn't down. make sense. I mean, <laughs> if that's the if that's the, the the underpinnings of it and the workings of it, then that doesn't make sense very much either. Well, let's turn to the defense. We beat the offense dead horse enough, I guess. Um, the defense was pretty decent. Looked like it was really developing earlier in the season, and then the Penn State game happened. Since the Penn State game, Iowa's defense has given up over 400 yards a game, 1,900 total yards plus in those four games, an average of 29.25 points per game, and that those kind of ratings would be last in the Big Ten and 110th in the FBS. And Saturday's game was was the, the most glaring example of poor tackling I've seen in quite a while by any Iowa defense. I, I actually heard players commenting on how bad the tackling was, which tells you that it's obviously something that needs to be addressed. I mean, that's the hardest thing to simulate in practice, unfortunately, because you don't want to get guys hurt. Too many guys now, they, they do those, you know, run-through tackles where they just run through guys' legs and stuff, and they don't wrap up like they used to. They don't throw their head across and, and uh, you know, face, you know, in there and, and, and high cloth and, and dip and drive and all that stuff. But but it's hard to create in practice because you don't want guys getting hurt. But uh, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, the other thing, too, is you got to rally the football. You know, a lot of times if you, you can miss a tackle as long as you're sending it back to the cavalry, and here's the cavalry to clean it up for you. But, uh, you know, right now we're getting exposed. We're getting mismatches and, and, and getting guys in space. And as an offensive guy, that's exactly what you want. You want your playmakers with the ball in space, uh, and that's what uh, the other teams have been able to do to our defense for the most part. This may seem like an off-the-wall question, but how much of that is uh, a product of ESPN, you know, wanting to make the highlight real? Because yeah, you saw it, yeah. yeah, time after time against Purdue, the Iowa defender would come in and put a shoulder and look like they were making just a huge hit and basically bounce off, as opposed to wrapping them up and, you know, taking them to the ground. A lot of it is. I mean, a lot of it is the uh, the nature of seeing those, the top 10 or whatever, and it's it's a it's a lost art. Tackling's a lot lost art in the, in the great ones. You know, you got to get guys to the ground. Cannot afford, you know, yards after contact, and, and uh, you got to wrap up. But a lot of it, I'm telling you, a lot of it's the fact that, you know, we're not getting enough guys to the ball is what's going on. We saw another example of a game where there was little, if any, pressure on the opposing quarterback. And, in fact, Micah Hyde made an interesting comment after the game. He said, I was looking at, at Marv, the Purdue quarterback. He was going through all three of his reads, sometimes four reads. He had plenty of time to do it. The only sack Iowa got was a technical sack when they ran the quarterback out of bounds. Is that a, one of the most uh, pressing issues in terms of these defensive struggles the last four games? They were getting away with it earlier in the year, but why has it become the, that problem? Now? Well, I mean, I, I think, one, you, you're getting better teams. You're getting teams that, that protect more. They pass more, so they work on pass protection more in practice. You know, Indiana, Purdue, that's kind of what they do. Penn State's, I think, very disciplined about it. Uh, so they're better when they're pass protections. Two, we, we still want to rush four. You know, we, we want to try to cre- create pressure with four guys. And if you can't, you got problems. And that's kind of where we're at is we're not being able to, we're not able to create pressure with those four guys. And that's at this level, you get to that third, fourth progression, you get your check downs. That's what hurts a defense, you know, because at third and six, you got them all covered up. And all of a sudden that back or tight end sitting down there at five yards, catches it, gets the first down. It's a new set of downs. I mean, that's, that's demoralizing for a defense. And, but ultimately, you know, I remember Norm Parker said, you know, the most important guy is the guy with the ball. So the, the next most important guy is the guy chasing the guy with the ball. And, you know, when we had Matt Roth, that was all well and good. But, you know, right now we're just we're having trouble creating pressure with our front four. If you were coaching this defense right now going into the 11th game, and let alone we won't even talk yet about the prospect of facing uh, Martinez and Robinson here in these last two games, are there any adjustments you can make right now it, this late in the season to try to beef up some aspect of the defense? Not if you want to stick with your core philosophies. Iowa has been, you know, and, and they've always said it, that offensively and defensively, this is who we are. I mean, this is 
is what we do. And and, and I get back to if you don't have the, the square peg that fits in the square peg hole, it's not going to work. And and I think what we're finding out right now is we don't have those guys that fit this this system. And um, you know, so it's either going to require one waiting it out and getting those guys, or two changing to, to play to the strengths of what you do have. And you know, the other thing you got to do is hide your weaknesses. You know, so if, if you can't hold up in a two technique or you can't hold up on a seven on the edge, set the edge. Well, then you need to figure out a different way that he can set the edge, whether it's slicing, slanting, you know, I mean, whatever it is, bringing pressure with the, you know, backer, getting the backer to set the edge for you. At the end of the day, you're just trying to win the game and you got to f- figure out a way to try to do whatever you possibly can to win the football game. After the Big Ten update, Marv previews Michigan and talks solutions. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update, just one week after Indiana outmuscled Iowa amid the talk of playing Wisconsin for the right to represent the leaders division in the Big Ten title game and holding the Hawkeyes to just 96 yards rushing, the Badgers came into Bloomington last Saturday and they decimated Hoosier hopes with a resounding 62-14 victory while racking up an amazing 594 rushing yards. Three Badgers running backs accounted for 457 of those. Monty Ball, 198, James White, 161, and Melvin Gordon added 98. And incidentally, Bell now needs just two more rushing touchdowns to set the all-time NCAA record in that category. That win lands Wisconsin in its second consecutive Big Ten Conference title game, where a win over either Nebraska or Michigan will send the Badgers to their third consecutive Rose Bowl. The Cornhuskers and Wolverines are tied at 5-1, with Nebraska holding the tiebreaker, so neither Neither of those teams can afford to stumble this weekend. Nebraska keeps eking out close wins the last two weeks with help from questionable officiating down the stretch, but it now has the league's best offense at 5.8 yards per play, and its defense seems to be improving at just the right time. Turning to teams on probation and ineligible for postseason play, Ohio State appears to be the best team in the conference under first-year head coach Urban Meyer. The biggest threat to going undefeated is this weekend in Madison, the Buckeyes then close their season at home against rival Michigan. A 12-0 team staying home for the holidays will only incense Ohio State fans even more than the penalties imposed on their team. Minnesota's win at Illinois makes the Gophers bowl eligible, the fifth conference team to hit that mark. However, it remains very doubtful that the conference will be able to fill all eight of its bowl slots. Big Ten teams in national rankings this week, Ohio State is sixth in the AP, Nebraska 16th, Michigan 23rd, and the USA day coaches poll. The Cornhuskers are 14th and Michigan is 23rd. Harris Interactive also has Nebraska at 14th and the Wolverines at 24th. And in the bowl championship series, Nebraska is 14th, Michigan 23rd. Looking at the Big Ten and national rankings of interest in the Iowa-Michigan game, Denard Robinson is 28th in total offense. He's also 13th in rushing yards per game. Anthony Hitchens is 4th in tackles per game, while James Morris is 29th. Jordan Cotton has moved up to 16th 
16th in kick return average. Mike Meyer is 12th in field goals per game. Michigan's Brendan Gibbons is 26th. And the Wolverines are 11th in total defense, 1st in pass defense, and 17th in scoring defense. Senior day often seems to provide extra motivation for home teams. This weekend, Michigan, Illinois, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin all host the final games of the regular season, although that did not help Indiana last week against the Badgers. All conference games this week are intra-division contests. Key games include Ohio State at Wisconsin, again, probably the Buckeyes' last big obstacle to an undefeated season, Northwestern at Michigan State, the Wildcats could still technically tie for the Legends title, MSU needs another win to become bowl eligible, and Minnesota is at Nebraska. The Cornhuskers, again, cannot afford to stumble in this game or at Iowa on Black Friday in order to lock down the Legends division representative in the Big Ten title contest. And one last note, the only traditional traveling trophy up for grabs this Saturday is the Purdue Cannon, which is at stake when Illinois hosts the Boilermakers. And broadcast school has really paid off. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Next, Marv Cook talks playing for wins, Iowa special teams, and he previews the Michigan game. Let's talk about Purdue's game-winning drive. A lot of teams, think Ferentz, uh, with 16 seconds on the clock, mid- midway into the Iowa, or your own side of the field, you'd sit on the ball, try to take it to overtime. Danny Hope, probably on his way out, said, never entered our minds, we were going for the win all the way. Three plays, 37 yards, and 16 seconds to set up the 46-yard field goal. I don't want to talk about that. I mean, I, I just, I, I could not believe it. I could not believe that played out the way it played out. It is refreshing to see a coach actually go for a win though isn't it you know and and it's you're on the road you're playing yeah I mean it's you know I know we're on the anniversary of you know Herm Edwards I mean that's that's why you play you play to win the game and and if you have a chance you know and and, and you're right I mean that's to some extent that's what Purdue's got the the caution of the win you know what I mean if I'm gonna go down I'm gonna go down doing it my way and I'm I'm gonna swing for the fence and that's and I think that's what they did and it paid off for them it does seem Kirk commented on this that about the only bright spot in Saturday's game was the play of the special teams it's been getting better all season. Kicking games getting better. Uh, good enough to be competitive in the Big Ten. And you continue to see Jordan Cotton's emergence, returning kickoff returns, as well as being the gunner on, on kick coverage. You did a great job again Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you know, special teams plays. If you add up the amount of yards the ball's covering, you know, between kicks and returns, and it, it's those 18 snaps or 18 plays of special 
teams, there's so much yards that can be gained or lost with penalties or big plays, and I think that's why they are special. And you got to have your best athletes. You got to put your best eleven on the field and, and be dynamic there, in my opinion. And that's something that's great to see Jordan Cotton. I mean, there's a guy that's it's showing he wants to play football, you know. And, and a lot of those young guys need to obviously prove themselves in special teams first. So, but it is exciting to see him. We just need ten other guys to step up and play alongside him. I want to bounce back to the offense just real quickly before we turn to the Michigan game and ask the solutions question again. And you threw out your idea last week that they need to pass to open up the run, but you saw the continuing issue that's been there all season long, third down conversions. Iowa was only four of 16 last Saturday. They had four three and outs. They had two four and outs, and um, they had, that. so that's seven of its offensive drives were uh, four plays or less, and they were one of three on fourth down. So same question I asked you about the defense, and Kirk says, well, we're all about solutions. What are your solutions offensively this deep into the season, realistically? Uh, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, Johnny put me on the spot here. You can't have three and outs. You can't have four and outs. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you have, you know, you need to be controlling the football. I've, I've said this from, from day one. You, you need to be scoring points when you have the ball. Two, if you don't, you got to minimize the possessions the other team's offense gets at your defense because they're going to figure it out. Eventually, they're going to figure out what the defense is doing to them. And they're going to come up with solutions on how to score points. And so if you're not scoring, you got to be changing the field position. you got to be moving the ball down, punting it down inside their 10 or 15, making them go the long way. And when you're going three and out, that's not happening. I mean, you're giving the ball right back to them. Your defense is on the field, and, and you got problems. But, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see the stats on, you know, first down play calling. How much is run? How much is pass? How much is zone run? You know, um, and, and uh, you know, I don't know if you have access to that, or uh, I know I don't, but, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, that, that would be telling. Because if you're starting first down and you're running zone 80% of the time and you're getting hit in the head and you got second and 11 or second and 12, well, you know, you're putting yourself behind the eight balls to some extent. So, Coach Davis, I've seen I've seen what they ran at Texas. They were a very, very dynamic offense with Vince Young, Colt McCoy. Brian Ferentz comes from New England Patriots. Tom Brady and gun a lot. Still run the ball effectively. Uh, I think we can be that. I think we should be that. That's To me, that's what we were at Pitt late in the game when we're just in gun a lot. You know, still running the ball effectively, but throwing the ball effectively all over the yard. The ball's coming out quicker, uh, getting a little rhythm to the offense. You know, the receivers are, are paying attention because they know the ball's coming their way more effectively than when you run it, try to run it 45 times a game. But, uh, I mean, that, the only thing I can think is trying to go that way, trying to soften the defense up with the pass and then start hitting them up inside with the zone run. All right, let's talk about the Michigan game. Iowa has to win both of these last two games to even get to 500 and become bowl eligible, which is highly unlikely. But well, here's the irony of that is to get to probably the Detroit Bowl and play in a MAC team, you got to beat Michigan and Nebraska. Yeah, it's uh, a tall order. Yeah. Michigan, uh, Brady Hoke has really restored the defensive prowess of Michigan teams, which disappeared under Rich Rodriguez there for a couple of years. Their defense has really been winning games for them. Uh, they came from behind, well behind actually, at home last week in, to win an overtime against Northwestern. And they played the last two weeks without Denard Robinson due to a nerve issue. And they've had a pretty good backup here in Devin Gardner who moved over from the wideout position. Talk about what you see with Michigan this year. Getting more athletic. Uh, they've, always been, they've always been athletic, but getting more so. And getting a more edgy defense, uh, tougher kids. Not that they weren't tough before, but uh, you know, kids that'll two gap and play more physical, which is where Iowa had a lot of success against Michigan was the, the ability to line up and kind of get after them up front and beat them up front. And I think Michigan's under Coach Oak is developing that mindset. 
mindset that we're not going to get pushed around anymore and they're getting better up front. So it's going to be a tougher task. I mean, Denard Robinson in the game or out of the game, this backup's actually a pretty darn good football player. He's probably maybe a little bit better thrower than Denard is actually. And it's kind of, kind of what we talked about. The second string guy, even though he's second string on the depth charts, is going to have some skill sets that are better than, gosh, we knew that with Michigan with Tate Forcier and those other guys. Remember that, you know, he almost knocking the first string guy was the worst thing that could happen because the second string guy. But, but anyway, it's going to be tough. I mean, Michigan's got talent. They, they're on the upswing. Obviously, they had some disappointing losses this year with Notre Dame. They had they turned the ball over way too much against Notre Dame. So up there is going to be a, a tough test for our guys. But, uh, you know, I still think the matchup looks good for the Hawks. They go in with the mindset we have nothing to lose, play aggressively, uh, play confidently, uh, and get after it. You know, I'm excited about watching the game and, and, and watching the Hawks play. But, you know, if they don't play with passion, if they don't, sometimes I say the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's it, it can work both ways. We are who we are. We're going to do it. We're going to get better at it. But, you know, if, if it's not effective, you you know, you have to be willing to to make those adjustments and find a way to win. And Because trust me, whatever the guy number of guys they have on the travel roster, they, they're all going to Michigan with the idea that they want to win the football game. They're going to play their hearts out. And, you know, we just got to make sure we give them the best opportunity to do that. Interesting here. The Iowa's three-game winning streak over the Wolverines is the longest in the series history for a Hawkeyes team. And Brady Hoke really seems to be emphasizing, at least it was one of the main things he mentioned in his, his press conference on Monday. He mentioned it in the Big Ten Coaches teleconference call on Tuesday that the, and it's senior day at Michigan, that these Michigan seniors have never beaten Iowa. And he thinks, you know, and then he talked about how that should be a motivating factor. Kirk was asked about that. You know, he kind of downplayed that a bit. In your opinion, how much motivation is that for a Michigan team playing their seniors, playing their last home game against a team they've never beaten? It's huge. I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's something they'll remember. I mean, they'll go down and remember that for forever. They, they never beat Iowa. Because I'm, I'm assuming that they've, that they can't say that for any other Big Ten team. Trust me, it'll be it'll be very very much focused on we need to accomplish. Plus, they're still you know moving forward, trying to get into a, you know a nice bowl game and all that good stuff. So you know, so I mean, there's a lot riding on this game, and so I, I, I see where Coach Hoke's going with this thing, and I and I would be too, to be honest with you. I guess you kind of already covered your keys to the game. Let me move back to a higher elevation. I don't know whether you want to answer this question or not, but you know, I guess it's a glass half full, glass half empty. I mean, one thing you can say is Iowa's been in six games that were decided by three points or less. They're two and four in those games. Is this, I'm not going to ask you if this is the worst team you've seen under Ferentz since 2000, but I am going to ask you as a former player and as a fan, if this is maybe the most disappointing team you've watched in the Ferentz era. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't go there. I mean, I, you know, it, it's it's been frustrating because we have, you know, it, it's ebb and flows and, you know, you can go back to some of the, you know, the great seasons. We were 10 and one or 10 and two or 11 and one or whatever it was. And, and we won five of six of those games that were six points or less and you could make a case that we underachieved in those years you know what I'm saying because we were better we were Robert Gallery Chad Greenway Abdul Hodge Fred Russell I mean phenomenal phenomenal football player and we were barely beating Purdue and barely beating Indiana and you know you know what I'm saying we're this year we don't have a lot of those big time players and we're still competing and we're still in the games and so you know it's just kind of the way it is it's just and it kind of gets back to that's why we don't go for on fourth down that's why we don't do anything right before the half is just keep the game close uh, not let it get away from you to some extent so uh, yeah, I'm you know I'm a sick cat trust me I expect to win every game when I was at Iowa I, I wrote down to my position coach that I wanted to win four national championships I mean I was that was my four-year goal my long-term goal at Iowa I know, I know no one ever done it but I was like someone's got to win it this year let's try to do it so so I want to win every game I expect to win every game and and so from that standpoint this season is frustrating and, and then the counter the you, you had the fact that you know one of the wins against you and I a good football team but it's you and I you know it's not a division one FBS team and then the other ones against uh, you know Northern Illinois who's having a good year uh, as a great
great school, but you know, but it kind of takes a little sizzle, you know, away from being four and six when when two of those victories against you know lower level opponents. I would think that a lot of the frustration this season is aimed at the offense, and that's not trying to let the defense off the hook here. But if you go back to that in six games decided by three points or less, if Iowa's offense was only at the top of the bottom third of the Big Ten statistically, they might have won every one of those games. That's probably the biggest frustration for fans is to see an offense struggle so much after they brought in a fairly ballyhooed offensive coordinator and talk of change, you know, in Kinnick Stadium and all of this, and and it, it's just crashed around them. Well, you, I mean, I, I I think you said Vandenberg's got five TD passes. I mean, that's that's a game, you know. I mean, how many did he have against Pitt last year? Five. I mean, I, I can't I, I can't even fathom that. I mean, I, when you tell me that, I just like that can't be right. And, and he's the one only one that's played a snap. So I mean, well, here's something else. Iowa's defense and special teams have scored four touchdowns, only oh, one less than Vandenberg's passed for. John, you, this is you're, you're killing me here, John. It, that's amazing to me. And, and Fedorowicz's first touchdown comes in Game Ten. I mean, that's it's just it's we, we need to do better. So yeah, I'm frustrated. I mean, that's that's the end of the day. I'm, I'm obviously I don't like where we're at. I think we should you know we should be better, but it is what it is. You know, and Coach Ferentz always says you get what you deserve. So whether it's a combination of players or coaches or both, you know, right now. But that being the case, you know, I, I can go. I I'm, I just went half empty on you. Now I'm gonna go half full. I mean, they were playing Michigan. I'm telling you, what is a 16, 17, 18 year old kid growing up in high school? This is what you want. And here it is, right in front of you on Saturday. You get to go to you get to go to the big house and play the Michigan Wolverines in a Big Ten game. And you know what? Just flush everything behind you. And this is it, play for today. You know, play for play for this day. And and that's, that's what Big Ten football is ultimately about. You know. And then they tell you at the end of the year if you can play another or not. So you know, hopefully that's the mentality they have. And they go in and they they play to win. You know. And it, I mean, it's do whatever it takes. You know. And I'm the guy that if I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose dynamically. I guess is, you know, I'm not gonna go. You know, silently. I guess is what I'm saying is just lay it on the line and just play hard. And 60 minutes, we'll find out. Maybe you play a couple more minutes after that in overtime. But just let's let's make sure we we do every second of the 60 minutes. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Paul Griggs to try and win it for Purdue. On its way, Paul Griggs got enough of it. The Purdue Boilermakers for the first time in 20 years win in Iowa City. And Purdue is your winner. Give Griggs a lot of credit for stepping in there with everything on the line, unfazed by the moment. And it is pure euphoria for the Boilermakers. They went just enough downfield for Paul Griggs to win it. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. 
Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.